as I'm going to be filling in for Brother Andy, and that's exactly what it is, filling in for him. I've talked with him, and he's going to be just fine. He's going to be getting well, but he, he could not be here today. And I'm, I'm glad that I have the opportunity to share his word with you. We should have Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 available. If not, let me share it with you right now. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. This week, we're celebrating the birth of our nation. I love doing that. I am thankful for this country and for the freedoms that we have. It's important to focus on that, important in our lives in every way. It's important to think of how our country was founded and why it was founded. It began, simply put, with a group of people coming here seeking religious freedom, the freedom to worship God as the Bible taught rather than as someone else dictated to them. It gave them freedom to have a future in worship. Later, as more people were coming and moving toward a nation, they began to seek another aspect of their freedom. Freedom from tyranny. That heavy hand of taxes and authority that was placed upon them by the mother country. The freedom they sought was not an easy freedom. Cost them a lot. One of the founding fathers said in the resistance against England, he said, either we, we will stand together or we will hang independently. So they needed to do it. It cost them greatly to do it. But they established a country. And whether people want to admit it, it was founded on the principles of justice, freedom, the value of the individual, and the freedom to worship God openly. The government was not established to rule the people, but to serve the people. And let me tell you, that's a blessing. It's a real blessing for us because as I have traveled around the world, I'm not finding all those governments like that. We are blessed. But today, today we're also celebrating another freedom as God's people. Freedom from the tyranny of sin and Satan's dominance. The penalty of sin and freedom to live, really live, to live in victory, whether we're rich or poor, whether we're obscure or famous. It doesn't matter who we are or how valuable we consider ourselves to God. Each and every one of us in this country is a valuable person, a person of great value to him. We can have a country and, you know, I. I limit myself on how much I listen to talk radio. Do you do that? I've learned I just cannot do much of that because it raises my blood pressure, and I'm taking medicine for that now. But, you know, we'll never have perfect satisfaction in in our governments. They're human, even though we have the best in the world. But we can have perfect satisfaction in God's kingdom. And in his promises. And here's the good news. We don't have to wait till we die to enjoy that freedom. It's a part of what Jesus brought to us spiritually. It's available to every person who wants to come to God. 
It's available without cost to those who respond to the offer that Jesus makes to us. And I'll tell you what, we do not have to cross any human borders to know this freedom and to have citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you something about it this morning. I'll be as brief as I can, but there are two things. One, I want to tell you about the importance of the salvation experience and the freedom it brings. And second, I want to tell you about the wonderful change that comes about in our lives as a result of that freedom. First, the importance of the salvation experience. I have three aspects of that. The personal and universal nature of sin. That's not a popular subject in society today. People don't want to hear about sin. But the truth is we have all sinned from Romans 3.23. The truth is sin carries a heavy, heavy cost. It's spiritual death from Romans 6.23. Adam and Eve are not just a story. They're the example. They were the ones that let sin be introduced into this world. And it has touched every person. The Old Testament teaches the reality that there is a sin problem. One of my favorite Old Testament characters is Isaiah. His writings are so amazing and his understanding of the coming Messiah were, 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 were really God sent. But at one point in the, the chapter six of Isaiah that tells about his call and his vision of God in his temple high and lifted up. And when all of this happened to Isaiah, He was suddenly overcome with his humanness and his frailty and his sin in his life. And he cried out in this vision, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, and he felt the burden of his sin. He recognized it. Now we know if we read the rest of the story that God took that sin away. In the symbol of a coal touching his lips. And he was commissioned to go and preach. So we see the reality of individual sin in the Old Testament. It's also true in the New Testament. One of my favorite Bible characters is, is Simon Peter. Isn't he a great, a great person for us to learn from? Early in Christ's ministry, he had been teaching and his popularity was, was growing. And in Luke chapter 5, it tells a story that Jesus was beside the Sea of Galilee. And the crowds were pressing in on him. It was hard for everyone to see and to hear. So Jesus looked, and there were two boats sitting there in the water. And he got Peter, and he said, put me in this boat, and let's row out a short distance from the shore so that I can teach. And he did that. And one of the amazing things that's so brilliant in what Jesus did was sound travels wonderfully across water in ways better than it does across land. And there were no scientists to tell Jesus, if you'll do that, you can be heard better. He knew it. And they rode out a short way and Jesus taught what was happening. And he preached to them. And then after he was through, he said, Peter, now row out into deeper water. I love that. And Peter said, but Lord, we were fishing all night and we didn't catch a thing. What good's it going to do now? But he did. You know the story? The nets were so full they were about to break. And so there was that other boat there. And Peter called, I think, to uh, Andrew and James and John, is who I think it was, and said, bring out the other boat. And they brought brought it out and there were so many fish. Both boats were about to sink. Do you remember what Peter did at that moment? 
Peter fell at the feet of Jesus and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see what happens in the presence of God? For Isaiah, when he came into the presence of God, it became evident who God is and who he was. And he said, I have unclean lips. When Peter was in the presence of God and recognized it was God, he said the same thing. That's what we must do to have freedom from that sin is when we're in the presence of God, we must come and be open and honest because we know the rest of the story. He's forgiving. He's caring. And he will deal with it. We know what Isaiah did. He went on and prophesied. He went on and wrote that wonderful book that was so valuable. What did Peter do? Did Peter ever do anything significant after that moment in the kingdom of the God? I seem to recall a sermon that he preached one time and there were some 3,000 people saved. I want you to know that's never happened to me. And I don't anticipate it to happen. There's not even that many here if everybody decide, okay, I'm going to do this. God uses us when we will do what is right. You know what else Jesus did that day with Peter and his friends? You know, in Luke 5.10, Jesus said, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. He didn't just save them from their sins. He gave them a commission. Why do we have 50 people on the mission field now and nearly 30 more going this week to be fishers of men? And we're all a part of that as a church and as God's children. That should make us rejoice. That should fill our hearts with the abundant life that he is calling us to. He did that for them. So what's the reality that I'm saying? Sin is real. It was real in the Old Testament. It is real in the New Testament. And it's real today. But here's the other thing. Forgiveness is possible. Forgiveness is available right now to every person. And it's offered to everyone. We know that. We're a New Testament church. We understand what John 3.16 means. We understand what Romans 5.8 means when it says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He did that to give us something. We understand for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We understand that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is raised from the grave, we will be saved. There is a promise that we can have salvation. He sacrificed himself for us. He died for us. And he rose for us. So is he willing to save us? Does he want to save us? Another example is when he was on the cross. Those first words of the seven sayings that Jesus did on the cross. When he looked at those who had tortured him, had beaten him, had crammed the the crown of thorns on his head. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Now they knew what they were doing in the sense of killing him, but they didn't realize who they were killing. And they didn't realize the extent of it. And he forgave them anyway. If he will forgive his torturers, will Jesus not forgive you and me? Amen? He will. He will do that. We need to understand that. He forgave them all if they would come to him. You see, he didn't wait on us. He went to the cross and he took care of it.
And how widespread is it really? It's available to all. You know, Jesus said of the children, when people thought the children shouldn't come and gather around him, he said, no, let the children come. Aren't we glad? Didn't we just finish vacation Bible school? And how many decisions? Was it 19? I don't remember the number. A good group of numbers. Those are children who are all part of God's kingdom today. The opportunity to live in that wonderful freedom that is provided. You know who else he cared about? Jesus cared about the women. In that part of the world, in that time, and a lot is carried over, women were little more than property. And I love the story of the day that Jesus was in the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha was doing a good thing. She was busy preparing a meal. You know that story? And Mary was sitting there listening to Jesus teach. Women didn't get to do that. But Jesus let her do it. And he rebuked Martha and said, she's doing the best thing right now. Ladies, you're part of the kingdom. Children are part of the kingdom. Men, we're a part of the kingdom. It's available. That's the greatest freedom of all. You know, we have so much in the, in the political area about separating the, the illegal immigrants from their children. There's no separation in heaven. There, is, there are no politics in heaven. There are no walls to build in heaven. Because we belong to God and He's provided for us. That's a tremendous freedom. But here's, here's my word of caution, okay? My third aspect of this first point. Forgiveness of sins not automatic. You're not born into it. I was born a citizen of the United States of America. And I am so thankful. You know, I didn't have anything to do with that. Not one thing. I had no choice in the matter. Just happened that way. And I'm so glad it did. But we're not automatically citizens of the kingdom of heaven. There were two men that went to pray described in Luke 18. One of those guys was a Pharisee. He was extremely religious. And he did all the things according to the law. And he stood up and he prayed a prayer. And he said, God, I thank you. I'm not like this heathen over here. I'm not like him. I do everything just right. And he was only praying to himself. But that heathen, that tax collector, was back there in the back. Maybe he was in the back. Maybe he was in the top of the balcony. Maybe he was trying to stay out of sight. But he just stood there in in a corner and bowed his head in humble prayer, knowing that he was not worthy, knowing that he was really a sinner, but experiencing the love and the forgiveness of God. And so Jesus answered a question for us. He said, which one of these two men went home justified that day? And it was the man who was honest with himself and God. That's when freedom starts, is when we're honest in that way. So Isaiah, Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips, but God forgave him and commissioned him. Peter said, I'm a sinful man, go away from me. And Jesus loved him until Peter went to tell others, we're all in the same boat. Now, Peter and Isaiah were good men. But they needed salvation the same way we do. And tremendous things happened because of their willing to let God set them free. Today, today if you're sitting here, and I know that Sunday morning and 
most people here, you really do love God. And you love Jesus Christ. But if you've never reached that point, I want you to know that to wait as far as today is to refuse. To say, I don't need it, is to be like the Pharisee and to lie to yourself. We need the freedom that Christ brings. And now for just a moment, I want us to look at the second point in the message. It's the wonderful change that does come into our lives. We don't have to create it. We just put ourselves in the hands of the potter and we let him create it. That first verse that we read uh, out of Colossians this morning. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Focus on the things above. Those are the spiritual things. Those are the things that are internal. Those are the things that help us with our relationship with God. You know what I think it's saying when it says set your hearts? In the New American Standard, it says keep seeking. In other words, turn your heart to God and keep seeking a closer relationship with God. Yesterday, I'll say one thing that's a bit personal here. Tex and Judy Phipps celebrated 50 years of marriage. Isn't that a good thing? That's a great thing. I did not ask them if they've ever had a disagreement. In 50 years, there's probably been one or two, and then text probably said, yes, dear, and they went on. I know how that is. But it's a relationship. And their relationship built on Jesus Christ has helped them have 50 years of a relationship built together. It makes a difference in who we are and what we are and how we relate to the world and people around us. To know Jesus Christ. If he's the center of our lives, then every other relationship in our lives is better. And one thing we must never do, we must never stop seeking God and growing as Christians. They reached 50 uh, texts. We've got a goal of 75 years ourselves. And then we're going to renegotiate. But right now we're looking to things of the future. That's what we're supposed to do as believers. We have a future. And we're supposed to go forward in that future. And God has new things for us. I first entered into ministry in my first staff position on January the 1st, 1970. Now you can figure it up. That's getting awfully close to those 50 years. But a few years ago... My family and I felt that God wanted us to establish a new ministry called Shepherd's Rest Ministry. And we didn't know anything about it, but we felt like we needed to do it. And then with circumstances, he moved us. We felt like we needed to put more energy into it. And I made the decision to retire as a pastor and took those steps. And that's when God brought us here. And we've been here since 2010. But you know what, what happened to me? This church has overwhelmed me and blessed me and pulled me into deeper service. This week, I will leave on my seventh international mission trip. And I never had a clue that God would want me to do that as a senior adult. 
Never had a clue. I'm amazed at what he's going to do in the future. And he wants the same for you. He doesn't want us standing still. He wants us moving forward. I, for one, I'm really excited about the opportunity to move to the hill and get a building where we can put everybody in it. I was in a classroom on the third floor up here the other night on a Monday night for an ESL Bible study. I was out of breath by the time I got up there. I look forward to the new building. It's something new and new people to reach. In God, our freedom sets us free to live and not be locked into the past, hurts, or anything else, but to keep moving forward. There is a a song, I think, that many of us know. If we're going to turn our hearts to God and keep focused on God and move forward, these words are there. Let's see if you can recognize it. Now, I'm not going to sing. Brother Andy could, but I'm going to spare you that. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. You know where it goes in the chorus? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Do you know that song? It's true. If we look to him, then the struggles of this world are less significant. And the joys of where our true residence is become greater. It really works that way. A second aspect of this is we need to set our priorities Upon the culture of heaven, not the culture of the earth. Verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Yes, we live in the world. Yes, we've got to pay our taxes and, and buy groceries and cook meals and live and fix things that break and do all the things that are human life. But that's not our focus. The old life that's mentioned here is that old life of sin. Set it aside and move forward. I heard the illustration that is so sad of a woman that one time gathered up all of the trash from her house and carried it out to the curb and set it, set it right there for the garbage collectors to pick up and went in the house. And when she heard the garbage truck coming, she couldn't turn loose of it. So she ran out and grabbed it all up and took it back in the house. You know, that stuff's smelly and filthy. If we have been forgiven of the sin, that stuff's smelly and filthy. Let it go and move forward. That's what he wants to do. Keep our minds on the right things. And we have to do that in this world today. There is so much distraction. And we know that distraction. It can come from our cell phones and the internet and the TV and everything in the world. We can say, I'm not going to focus on this world. I'm going to focus on Christ. And here's the amazing thing. Then we don't go live in a monastery somewhere. When we focus on Christ, he leads us into the world. But as a cure a part of the cure rather than joining the disease. He helps us and guides us where we need to go. And here's the reason we do it, because our true home is above. Our true home is heaven, and we will get to go home someday. We're here briefly. 
The third aspect, he says in verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Oh, it couldn't be any plainer than that. Our physical lives, yes, are still going, but spiritually our old life of sinfulness has died with Jesus. And through the power of his resurrection, we have newness in life and we should claim it. That's the ultimate freedom. I'm going to be here this afternoon for the God and country celebration and I look forward to it. I look forward to celebrating our, these freedoms and celebrating what it is to be a part of our country. Rejoicing that, that I'm a veteran. I didn't do anything, but I love my country. But I love my heaven more. And loving my heaven more helps me love my country better. That's the point I'm making. Our lives are hidden in Christ. We belong to him. He gives us a new birth just like he spoke to Nicodemus. We're the sheep of his pasture. And we can make a difference in somebody else's life if we will do it. And the fourth aspect is verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, the New American Standard says, is revealed. When he comes back and he's revealed for who he truly is, it says, then you will also appear or be revealed with him in glory. The world can't always see what we are. The world is blinded by so much, but a day is coming when we will be revealed as God's children. And we're to do the very best we can right now as we move toward that day. It's not a physical thing, but the world does see a difference in us. If we're walking with Christ and we're living for him, we know that we belong to him. And we know that we will always belong to him. So this week, this week we're going to be celebrating the freedom and the glories of this great country. And I'm thankful for that. Today, in addition, we celebrate what Christ did in the past, what he's doing now and what he's going to do. He's going to come again. This, today, is a day of celebration of true freedom. Freedom in Jesus Christ. We should celebrate. We should celebrate by committing ourselves to following Christ, to having ethics and civility and morality, to having the fruit of the Spirit, being honest and truthful in what we do. We should reflect the freedom that we have been brought. So what have I tried to say today? I've tried to say that the salvation experience is important. It changes everything. It's needed. It's available. It's not automatic, but it's always an opportunity. And second, I've tried to tell us that there's a wonderful change in us. We have a new nature. We have a new home. We have a savior. We have a different dialogue, a different everything. So I encourage you to consider the importance, if you haven't made that decision, to know true freedom, to let Jesus be your Lord and Savior. And if you do, you'll be changed forever. And then you will know true freedom. What a blessing. Will you pray with me as we close? Thank you, our Heavenly Father, that we've been able to be in your house this morning. And that we're looking forward to an afternoon of celebrating our country. But right now, our Father, help us to focus upon our spiritual need. 
And if there's one person that needs to say, today's the day I will stop fighting. Today's the day I will let you be my Savior. Today is the day I will let you cleanse me and heal me and give me spiritual life. If there's anyone, our Father, don't let the crowd or all the distractions take anything away. Let them make that decision. Let us know the true freedom of Jesus Christ. So we're going to have our invitation. And we're thankful. We're thankful, our Father, that you will let us do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brother Gary's going to lead us. Let's stand together and let's sing.